Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. Beginning in verse number 12 here in Colossians, um, Paul has been showing us how a relationship with God should be affecting every relationship that we have. Uh, and he primarily starts within the relationships within the church. And uh, if you remember, he gave us those lists of things for us who know Christ. Our life should be marked by being compassionate, um, kind, humble, gentle, patient, forbearing, and forgiving towards one another. And love and peace of Christ should bind us together in one body of Christ. That should be kind of like the hallmark of our relationships within the church is that love and the uh, peace of Christ should be binding us together. And as we saw last week in verse 18, Paul starts giving us instruction how our homes are to be structured. And uh, he addresses the whole household all the way through chapter 4, verse number 1. He deals with wives, he deals with husbands, he deals with children. Uh, He also then talks about fathers, and then he talks about slaves in the home. And that was a pretty common culture back then, that uh, a uh, person would have slaves within their home. And he's saying, okay, look, uh, slaves, this is how you're supposed to act, and masters, this is how you are supposed to treat your slaves uh, in that uh, context. And it wasn't like slaves like we we think about today, um, you know, slavery that uh, so marked uh, the culture Uh, in the 1800s and things like that. Uh, These were people that probably were slaves because they um, were either brought into slavery because they owed debt, and once that debt was paid off, then they were released. Um, Or sometimes people were uh, brought into slavery because uh, they were a slave, and then they wanted to continue on into the, the household there because they were being taken care of. And so they became a bond servant uh, for that family. So, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that when we get there uh, for those things. But uh, here in uh, Colossians 3.19, Paul shows how husbands are to live out their faith toward their wives. Now let's read this brief but uh, concise verse here together. So Colossians 3.19, Husbands, love your wives and do not... Be harsh with them. As I mentioned last week, Ephesians 5 is really a great parallel passage to this uh, passage here in Colossians 3. In Ephesians, Paul goes into more depth concerning how the husband shows love uh, to his wife. And uh, probably Paul is kind of brief here in Colossians, just, you know, husbands, love your wives. And he doesn't go into great depth because I think that these these letters were being circulated throughout the churches. And he expected them to also read the letter that uh, he wrote to uh, the church at Ephesus. Now, there are two sides of Paul's brief command here. We see a positive side. Can anybody guess what that is? Love your wives. Okay, that's the positive side of it. Then there's the negative side of that. Can anybody guess what the negative side is? Do not be harsh with them, okay? So you have a positive and a negative side to that. So husbands, no matter how many years that we have been married, I don't care if you've been married five years, 10 years, 15, 20, 
30, 40, 50, 60 years, whatever it may be. We all, all of us husbands can grow in this area of learning how to love our wives and to not be harsh with them. There is no husband on the face of this earth that has this nailed down, okay? And the reason why I know that is because we have to be told this from the Apostle Paul, okay? These are eternal words of Scripture, okay? Paul didn't say after a certain amount of time, husbands, you got this figured out. No, it's a continual reminder, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And so we all have room to grow in obedience to this command, and it's not the sort of thing that where you can check this off your list and, and say, well, I got it, I got it now, and I can move on to something else. Uh, and so I want us to, uh, as husbands, to not only apply this command to our marriage, but also that we will have a healthy, thriving marriage, because uh, really that's, that's what we should be aiming for, is to have a really good marriage, Right? Um, and that marriage can continue to grow if we're continually applying what Paul is saying here. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And so this is what I'd like for you to take away with you this morning. Husbands, grow in maturity by loving your wives and not being harsh. Husbands, grow in maturity by loving your wives and not being harsh. Now, there might be some of you here that are single, and that's okay, because this is, uh, this is kind of like marriage counseling for you. Be like, well, I'm not married yet. Well, if you ever have marriage counseling with me, you know what you'll be hearing? You'll be hearing this kind of stuff. So this is a good thing for us. And, and even if you're like, well, I'm not married yet, well, this is some good things to learn. And you can say, you know what? I remember hearing this, and this is uh, something that, uh, that we need to be applying and, and learning and growing in. So let's take note here a couple things. Number one, what does it mean to love our wives? What does it mean to love our wives? Because that's the command, right? Husbands, love your wives. I heard a story about a married couple that uh, had been married uh, a long time. And the husband said, you know, some people ask the secret of our long marriage. And he says this, we take time to go to a restaurant two times a week. A little candlelight little dinner, some soft music, and dancing. She goes on Tuesdays, I go on Fridays. <laughs> now, I would not suggest that that's the kind of marriage uh, help that you need, and that's not what he's talking about here of loving your wife. Okay? God's design in marriage for husbands is that we are commanded to love our wives. The sinful tendency, uh, husbands, that we all have is to dominate our wives by brute force. You say, how do you know that? Because that's why he has to say, and do not be harsh with them. Okay. <clears throat> Even some Christian men are guilty of being too heavy-handed with authority. They practically lord it over their wives as if marriage were designed to be a master-slave relationship. Last week, we, we looked at uh, Paul's command to wives to submit to their husbands... But notice here, Paul's command is not husbands rule over your wives as Christ rules over the church. He doesn't say that. He didn't say husbands order your wives around, command them, exercise authority over them, dominate them, or anything of the sort. 
Now, there's many husbands that read it that way. Uh, and if you were to ask them their number one responsibility toward their wives, they would say, to be the head of the home. I'm the one that's going to make the decisions. Right? But Paul doesn't say that. He says, husbands, love your wives. Paul says here that our primary responsibility, and also in Ephesians, is to love your wife. In Ephesians 5, love dominates that entire passage, in fact, uh, in Ephesians. In fact, the word love appears five times throughout Paul's short list of instructions to husbands. Never once does he mention authority, to be domineering, to be the head of the home. He just simply says, husbands, love your wives. Husbands are told to love their wives as Christ loves the church, and they are to love their wife sacrificially, tenderly, meekly, and with a servant's heart. And if you are a husband, you should be thinking often about how you can better love your wife as Christ loves the church. And we all can grow in this area, all of us. And so to apply this verse properly, we need to understand what Paul meant by love. <clears throat> And so, husbands, if we desire to grow in maturity in loving our wives, we must understand what a biblical love is. Because we are commanded to love, that suggests that genuine love is not merely a romantic feeling or an involuntarily attraction. Now, I would say that, yes, the attraction's important, and yes, those feelings are important, but we all know that as time moves on, as we live with our spouse, that sometimes we start getting irritated with them. Or as time moves on, the effects of gravity have their effects on our bodies, right? And what used to be all nice and pretty now turns into wrinkles, right? And so we might look at that and we say, hey, you know what? They're not really that attractive anymore. But Paul doesn't say husbands love your wives only if they are attractive. He doesn't say husbands love your wives only if you're not irritated with them. He says husbands love your wives. Okay? So biblical love really is a choice, an action to do. Biblical love is a self-sacrificing, caring commitment which shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one loved. While such love results in deep feelings, the core of it is not feelings but commitment. Romantic love focuses on how the other person makes me feel. But biblical love focuses on what I must do for the other person. Let's allow Scripture to help us understand what it means to love our wives. Turn with, over, with me over to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13. This is, of course, the, uh, the great love chapter here. <clears throat> and look with me at uh, verses uh, 4 through 8. And Paul really gives us a description of really what love is. Now, this is all within the context of, of how spiritual gifts are to be used within the church. And you had uh, individuals within the church that were dividing over, well, look at me, I'm more spiritual than you are, na-na-na-na-na-na, right? And Paul's like, no, 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 no. 
you need to understand that within the church, love should have the preeminence in how we use our spiritual gifts and also how we treat one another. But we're going to apply it here in this context of uh, how men are to be loving their wives and giving that description of what love really is. So verse number four, Paul says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes in all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. And then he goes on later in verse 13 that love will abide, uh, but the greatest of these is love. Now notice that none of these features of true love are involuntary, passive, or feelings-based. In fact, Paul used these active verbs wherever possible rather than adjectives, underscoring the truth that love is both dynamic and deliberate. So when Paul commanded husbands to love their wives, he was calling for all the virtues outlined in 1 Corinthians 13, including patience, kindness, generosity, humility, meekness, thoughtfulness, liberality, gentleness, trust, goodness, truthfulness, and long-suffering. It is significant that all the properties of love stress selflessness and sacrifice. All of them. And isn't it interesting that we see these same characteristics that Paul mentioned in Colossians 3, 12 through 14 earlier? Right? He's, just, he's just bringing us back to that and saying, look, I'm reminding you that this is how husbands are to love their wives. Now you might be thinking, Mike, well, that's really a tall order for me to, to fill out. Yes, it is. That's why we need to be maturing in this. You're still there in 1 Corinthians. Take a look at verse number 11. You see it? Notice what he says there. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I did what? Put away childish things. That's maturity. That's what we all need to be growing in. So we all need to be growing in this maturity of here I was as a child. This is how I acted as a child. But now that I'm growing up in Christ, I need to be putting away childish things and growing in my maturity of love towards my wife. All of us have to do that. Paul here within the context of love is talking about no longer being petty and judgmental and instead seeing things from a mature and loving perspective. None of us husbands here are perfect in loving our wives. That is why we need to mature. We need to grow up, husbands, to grow in love, to mature in how you love your wife. When we look at this command in Colossians and in Ephesians, it's impossible really for unbelievers to obey this. Paul's commands, only a converted, spirit-filled husband can love his wife as what Scripture says to do. And that's the only way that others will see a true picture of the Savior is what Ephesians 5 outlines for us, right? 
just as Christ loved the church, right? It's a picture of that. So you say, Mike, how can I love my wife? Buy her flowers? Yes. Watch those sappy Hallmark movies? Yes. Work on the honeydew list? Yes. And I'd say all of those are nice things, but that's not the standard. Right? Like if, that's, if that was the standard of how husbands can love their wives, then it would be simply a take it or leave it type thing. It would be, well, I filled out all the, the check marks. What's wrong, honey? Right? That's not the standard. What is the standard? It's Christ. Christ is always the standard of how we husbands can live out this sacrificially. And so if we're going to grow in maturity and our love towards our wives, we are going to have to aim high. We're going to have to have a target. And there's no other greater target than the Lord Jesus Christ. Simply stated, husbands, you need to make Christ your example and pattern in how to love. The command here in Colossians slightly echoes the similar command in Ephesians 5.25. Turn over there with me and let's, let's see how husbands are to love. So you're over there in uh, Corinthians. Now we're just going to walk over to uh, uh, Ephesians here. So Ephesians 5. <clears throat> now notice how husbands are to love their wives. Okay? Take note there in uh, verse 25, okay? Husbands, love your wives as what? Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands really hold the key to a flourishing marriage. So husbands, if your marriage is falling apart, it's not your wife, it's you. Because God places all the responsibility on the husband, not the wife. Always. The wife comes into full fruition and submission in response to the husband, loving her as he should. So how do we love our wives? Well, let me give you some practical help in how you can mature in loving your wife. Number one, Learn to love as Jesus loves. How are we to love our wives? The passage answers that question by stating, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Biblical love means sacrificing yourself for your wife. It means dying to yourself and living for her highest good, even as Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we may have eternal life. How did Christ demonstrate his love? Well, primarily by example and death. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5.8. There's another cross-reference in John 15.13. And as a result of Jesus' selfless love, the church loves Jesus and submits to him. That's what we're supposed to be doing, church. You see, it's not what the elders want. Every elder in this church has an obligation, an obligation to faithfully proclaim the word of God. And the church, all of us, myself included, all the other elders included, 
No, no elder is above the Word of God. Okay, We all have to submit ourselves to the Word. Why? Because Jesus, right? He gave himself for us. Our allegiance is to Jesus. It's not to a personality. It's not to a movement, right? It's to Jesus. And so we are called to submit. And that's a great picture of the husband there. He is supposed to be sacrificially loving and leading his wife and family. And the wife there is called to submit. Remember, it wasn't obey, right? She comes alongside and she helps her husband in whatever needs help. And so as a result of Jesus' selfless love, the church loves Jesus and submits to him. We love him because he first loved us. That's 1 John 4, 19. And in the same way, when the wife sees the love of her husband, she will love him and submit to him. But this cannot be our goal. Our goal as husbands must be to fulfill God's command to us and leave our wife's reaction up to him. Secondly, be willing to lay down your life. Turn with me over to the book of Philippians. Okay, this gives us a good uh, description. You're there in Ephesians. Just flip one page over, a couple pages over. should be in the book of Philippians. And look at, uh, with me in verses 3 through 9. Okay, so we're going to be willing to lay down our life. Look at verses 3 through 9 of Philippians chapter number 2. He says here, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. And so to love as Christ loved and to lay down your life means that you must focus on your partner's needs, not on your own. Verse 3 tells us, do nothing from selfish ambition or being selfish or conceit. Can I make a confession to you? I'm a selfish person. And so are you. We all are. That's why Scripture has to remind us, don't do this. Don't act this way. We all do things for our own wants or our purposes. And he says, don't do that. Don't be selfish in that. And if we're going to apply this, husbands, to our lives, that means that we have to do things for our wives. Not looking to our own interests, but the interests of our wives. Remember, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's Matthew 20, 28. Verse 7 here in Philippians, it says that he gave up his divine privileges. Jesus gave them up. It tells us that he became poor so that you might be made rich. Boy, that's really taking the interest of others, isn't it? He gave up his divine privileges for us. The literal translation of this verse is he emptied himself. Jesus had a complete attitude of unselfishness. Verse 8, he humbled himself. True authority 
comes from humility. Authority does not mean to manipulate and lord over. That is insecurity. Sometimes in marriages you will have a husband who is trying to be very manipulative and he's doing that because he's very insecure about his authority. He doesn't know how to lead his family. A man who is constantly lecturing his wife on his authority probably has very little. A husband must be firm and decisive, but also humble and unselfish. 1 Corinthians 11.3 reminds us that the true authority is really given by God. The head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. And so Jesus demonstrated and taught us something very specific about being a leader and having spiritual authority when he washed his disciples' feet. Listen to what he said in Mark 9.35. If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and be the servant of all. And so Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority, but yet he used his authority to be a servant. Husbands, let me ask you a question. Are you serving your wife? Or is it the other way around? Often when I have counseled married couples, I always tell the husband that one of the easiest ways that he can show love to his wife, you ready? You ready for it? Here it is. Here's the secret, husbands, okay? Write it down. One of the easiest ways that you can show love to your wife and show her that you're serving her, here it is, ready? Do the dishes. Do the laundry. Clean up after yourself. There's some, some husbands who, walk when, right when they walk in the door, shirt comes off, shoes come off, socks come I mean, and there's just this trail of stuff, right? Clean up after yourself. Your, that's not your wife's responsibility. If you want to be a servant to your wife, do things. Sometimes we like to think, well, well, I got her flowers, and that's nice. Yeah, get her flowers, but also do these other things as well. That's what we're all called to do. And by the way, husbands, it, when, we, when we do something like that, it, you know, if we wash the dishes and stuff like that, don't, don't do this. Don't, don't come around looking all smug and be like, hey, did you notice I did the dishes? <laughs> I'm great, aren't I? Your wife does them all the time. Okay? So love your wife. Serve her doing something sacrificially in that way. Thirdly, love unconditionally. Note the word love here that Paul uses. He's not talking about an eros love, an erotic love. Okay? That's not the word he uses. That kind of love is initial that attracts a man and, and woman together. It's useful in building intimacy and closeness. He's also not talking about a phileo love, which is a love on an emotional level. Uh, it's a friendship type of love. It has been defined as a love that comes as a result of a pleasure or delight one draws from the object love. That's not the kind of love he's talking about. Paul's word for love here is agape love. It's a sacrificial love. It is also an unconditional love. We're to love sacrificially since that is the kind of love that Christ displays towards the church. He gave himself up for it. We're to love unconditionally 
since that is the love that was put on display towards us sinners. This is why it's so imperative that we remind ourselves of the gospel every single day. Because the gospel has all the answers to all of our life. It shows us, it puts us on display to us of how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to live. It reminds us of Christ's love towards us and how we're supposed to treat others, right? So we are to love unconditionally. You see, God does not love us because of what we can give him. Because we have nothing but unrighteousness as filthy rags. God loves us because. There's nothing that you and I can give God that would ever make us love him more or less. He just loves us unconditionally. And that's the kind of love, husbands, that we are called to put on display towards our wives. You see, the husband who loves his wife for what she can give him loves as the world loves, not as Christ loves. The husband that loves his wife as Christ loves his church gives everything he has for his wife, including his life if necessary. If a loving husband is willing to sacrifice his life for his wife, he is certainly willing to make lesser sacrifices for her. He puts his own likes, his desires, his opinions, his preferences and welfare aside if that is required to please her and meet her needs. He dies to self in order to live for his wife because that is what Christ's kind of love demands. I heard a true story, true story, okay? of a wife who had been married to a coach for 34 years and had learned that a ball game had top priority. But one particularly frustrating day, she burst out, Frank, you'd miss my funeral to go to a ball game. He calmly replied, Roberta, whatever made you think I'd schedule your funeral on the day of the game? That's a true story. Obviously, that guy could have used some pointers on self-sacrificing love. Don't be like that. Remember Jesus' words, Luke 9, 23. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And the motivation for such sacrificial love is the Savior's great love for us, demonstrated when he gave his life for us on the cross. Now, the obvious result of this sacrificial love should be a caring, not only for your wife's physical and emotional well-being, but her spiritual wellness as well. Which leads me to ask this question. Husbands, are you setting the spiritual example in your home? It's your responsibility. It's not the wife's responsibility. It's the husband's. Husbands are called to lead their family spiritually. That's all outlined in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5.26 gives us great detail on this. Husbands, how we are to do this, we are to sanctify your wives through the washing of the water by the word, which is also the same way that Christ is sanctifying his church. He's cleansing it through the teaching, through the preaching, through the exhortation of the word of God. And so he's the one that leads the church, and as he speaks through his word, we who know Christ submit to his word, and as we do so, we are being challenged, we are being cleansed and changed and led by his gracious love. And husbands, are you leading your wives, are you leading your families spiritually? Every husband is supposed to do this. 
Are we, we leading our family and reading the Bible and praying together? Husbands, are you praying for your wife with her and about the things that she faces every day? Husbands, are you establishing a commitment to the church as a family priority? Or does your wife have to nudge you towards church? Seeking your wife's highest good means seeking her spiritual good. And the way that you do it is through setting the example of godliness in everyday living. Now that's the positive side of all of this. Loving your wife by being committed to sacrificing yourself to seeking her highest good. But now let's look at here real quickly at the negative side of the command here. Don't be harsh with your wife. Paul continues his command here with the latter part of this verse, and do not be harsh with them. Here's the reality in all of this. Most men treat their wives harshly. Sure, when you first were dating, it was, oh, baby, I love you. Oh, you're the greatest thing on the face of the earth. Oh, man, you're so wonderful. You're so wonderful. Great, 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 great. But then as you got married and time moved on, those great remarks now turned into treating them harshly, saying things harshly to them. Hurry up! Come on! Right? We've all done that. I've done that. Come on! Can't you lift this 200-pound sack of cement? Hurry up! Right? He says, don't be harsh with them. If men did not struggle with harshness, God would not waste his time commanding against it. Unless you have been sanctified beyond the norm, you regularly sin against your wife by being harsh and displaying bitterness to her. Your translation may read a little bit differently in saying don't be bitter with them. The word is translated as harsh or bitter as a word that regularly denotes the bitterness associated with disappointment, hate, and anger. Now, behind the harshness or the bitterness is really the disappointment of unmet expectations. It takes root when you focus on the sins or the shortcomings of your wife. It expresses itself by embittered anger, vindictiveness, or being cross or harsh. Now, how does a husband become bitter or harsh towards his wife? Well, number one, you are leading by force and not by love. You see, bitterness is the response of a leader who feels threatened and tries to lead by force or coercion. When his will is resisted, he turns up the pressure. After telling the wives to submit to their husbands, Paul knew that many men would try to help their wives obey that command by asserting their authority and as husbands. But he's saying, harsh authority is wrong for Christian husbands. You lead in the home by loving your wife the way Christ loves the church through sacrificial love and being gentle and considerate with her. That reminds us of 1 Peter uh, 3. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And he goes on to later say that if you don't do that, husbands, he says your prayers will be hindered. In other words, God's not going to answer your prayers if you're treating your wife harshly and you're not living with her in an understanding way. So being the leader does not give you the right to be harsh and authoritarian and to trample on her feelings. Secondly, you become bitter because of unmet or unrealistic expectations. Bitterness is settled anger, which comes from disappointed expectations that are not properly dealt with. 
just about every husband has a pity party. We do it. When we can't get what we want, when we can't do what we thought we were going to do, when we can't get our wives to go along with what we thought we should get them to go along with, we have a pity party. We start sulking. What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. I'm fine. You want to talk about it? No, I don't need to talk about it. It's over. It's over. We don't need to talk about it. We do that. Paul says, don't let this stuff become embittered in you because the way that you will respond is you'll be harsh with your wife. Husbands, we must remember that it is the husband's responsibility to sacrifice for the wife, not the other way around. That's what we're called to do. Our wives are not called to sacrifice for us. We are called to sacrifice for them. Within the marriage, when we feel that our wives are not meeting our expectations or feel that they are disappointing us, and is it inevitable in the, close, uh, the closeness of a marriage relationship that those things are going to happen, if you don't deal with it, you begin to build up a reservoir of unsettled anger and hurt feelings. And the more that reservoir grows... Uh, the more you blame your partner for your unhappiness in the marriage. Both partners become increasingly angry with each other. They snap at each other, fight over trivial things, but the real problem is the reservoir of bitterness stemming from disappointed expectations that you have never really dealt with. And so to deal with this harshness, you need to remind yourself of the gospel. Remind yourself of Christ's sacrifice and love for you. Remember that Christ still shows his love towards you even when you are not responding correctly to him. And yet Christ doesn't treat you with harshness, does he? He loves us. He extends grace to us beyond measure. And so remember that God has called you husbands to love your wives as Christ loved the church irregardless of how your wife responds to you. So that's it. So I'm expecting we won't have any marriage counseling here since we already did it here these past couple of weeks. Should be good to go, right? Okay. I want to help you. I really do. And, you know, this is something that we all need to be growing in. And, uh, you know, if, if we want to have, if we want to see strong families within the church, husbands and wives, we have to get on the same page as what Scripture teaches, right? We've got, we've got to be on target with it so that way we can continue and if we're going to be a, a, a shining example of the gospel to our friends and family members and other people right your marriage is going to speak volumes of how you treat one another and how you respond to one another and so remind yourself of what scripture teaches here and allow these things to be true in your life so let's grow up in maturity in that let's pray together If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.